Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. Well, hello on this day after the 4th of July. I hope you had a wonderful time. I hope there was an opportunity to spend time with the Lord. I hope there was an opportunity to spend time in the Word of God and reflect on the reality of freedom. We're going to spend a little more time doing that today. Uh, I hope you also took, took time to pray for the country and to lift it up before the Lord. I hope there were also fireworks because, you know, what would the 4th of July be without some fireworks? All right, uh, today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 101, verse 2. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Whoo, I will be careful to live a blameless life. And the psalmist recognizes they can only do that by the help of the Lord. And so immediately says, when will you come to help me? And I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I want to focus in on that word integrity for a moment. What does it mean to have an integrated life of faith? What does it mean to be a person of integrity, a fully integrated Christian life where your ideas, your words, your deeds, your relationships, your priorities are all aligned to Christ, integrated, not disintegrated. You know people who are disintegrated? I know a lot of disintegrated people, Um, and they are you think about the word disintegrating, right? You think about something that is like uh, the, the the pieces of it are blowing away or dissolving away. It's literally disintegrating. Um, do you know people who are living a disintegrated or disintegrating life? Yeah, we want to be people of integrity. We want to be um, people who are, you know, fully held together the way that it describes in the book of Colossians where Jesus is holding it all together. He's the laminin. He's the, um, he's the thing that, uh, the one that holds it all together in in us. And and that means we have to have a mind that is given over to Christ. We have to have a heart that is given over to Christ. We have to have relationships that are given over to Christ, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. That is an integrated um, life in Christ, an integrated Christian life. And if you know people who are living a disintegrated life, or a compartmentalized life. It's as if Christianity is one thing in one box, but they got other things in other boxes. You might think of um, it as a syncretistic life where, oh, well, I can I can have Jesus over here, but I can also still have this over here, and I can have um, this other set of ideas over here. And in reality, they're in direct conflict with each other. But I've compartmentalized it in such a way that, well, no, I mean, I've I've walled them off from each other. And so I can live over here in this relationship in a way that's completely contrary to what Scripture says is the character and the will of God, that uh, something completely contrary to who Christ is, because I have somehow created um, a wall in my heart and mind, and I'm able to live in this duplicitous way. 
but you cannot live in a duplicitous or I don't know, triplicitous? Is there quad, quadruplicitous? Are there like more than just duplicitous ways to live? You know what I'm talking about, where people are living with such divided hearts and such divided minds that depending on where you encounter them and in what environment and with what group of people and under what circumstances, they are very different people. Uh, let me just go ahead and tell you, I'm just me all the time everywhere. You you uh, see me on the street and we jump into a conversation, it's going to sound a whole lot like this. Um And so I want to be a person of integrity, not just that everyone can expect to encounter the same person at the same time, but everybody can expect to encounter me in in not only ways that would honor Jesus, but in ways that would be advancing his kingdom purposes always and in all ways. So when we talk about being careful to live a blameless life and recognizing that we're only doing that, by the way, I know I'm not living a blameless life. I totally get that. Um, I recognize that every day, even moment by moment, I have to confess my failing and my need for um, Christ. And so I, with the psalmist, am quick to say, won't you come to help me? But I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will lead a life of integrity in my relationships with others. I will lead a life of integrity with you um, every day, an integrated Christian life, where our ideas, our words, our deeds, our relationship, our priorities are all actively, we actively seek to have them aligned to Christ. We actively submit to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in us moment by moment. That's the path of maturity. That is the path of a transformed life. So let's spend a little time with our friend Dave Buring, continuing to explore Um, The Transformed Life, and today we're going to talk about the proof of transformation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. We're having an ongoing conversation with our friend Dave Buring from LionShare. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Carmen. All right. So we're in the midst of our conversation about the transformed life, and we've talked mm-hmm. about um, you know, what, what a transformed life means and the priority of it. Um, let's today talk about the proof of it. How can we and how can the world around us really know that we have been transformed by Jesus? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I think it's one that we can honestly wrestle with within ourselves and within our conversations and our relationships. And when I think about it, Carmen, I think of a passage in John 13 in verses 34 and 35, and it says, a new commandment I give to you, this is Jesus speaking, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another by this All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so I think that the core part there is as followers of Jesus, do we love each other? And then I think, you know, then there's the swing out to the world around us. Do we love the people in the world around us? So I think that's that's a good biblical reference point to say, have I been transformed inside? Okay, so I think that the follow-up question is, well, what is love? Because that is a a big confused term in our day. Is it ever? So if I get really practical with it, there's two ways that I can measure this. Um, One is it's laying your life down 
for somebody else. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that, hey, I'll take a bullet for you, you know, which oftentimes you never have to deal with in, you know, our lifespan. It's just laying laying our agendas down to serve somebody else's needs. So there's, or my, there's like, that. Or my like sense of right to something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of, um, so maybe let's add that word entitlement or agenda, mm, mm. Uh, my, my own priorities. And it doesn't mean like, okay, I'm not going to pay my bills so I can lay my life down. for. No, it's not that. It's we're still responsible. But there is a, there's an attitude of choosing others. So, so the second definition I like to reference on love is, is it's choosing someone's highest good. And so, you know, when you wrestle that one through it, it's, it's pleasant on the front end of, okay, well, I'll choose their highest good. It's their birthday today. Let me do something that's blesses them. But when you deal with someone's sin issues and you're trying to choose their highest good, it takes a little bit more nuance, a little bit more listening to the Lord on how, how does that look? What does that look like? So I, I think laying your life down for someone and choosing someone else's highest good are some biblical kinds of definitions that we see expressed in Jesus of love. Dave, we might hear today um, from somebody, well, you don't, you don't love me because you don't agree with me. Like you don't right. affirm everything that I think and, and I do. So you don't love me. When we come mm-hmm. back, can we, you and I talk about what love is and what it looks like by God's own self-expression. Can we look at first Corinthians 13? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Um, we're talking with Dave Buring, and we're talking about the proof of transformation. Like it, it's 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 one thing to like know you're a disciple of Jesus. You have followed him. You are following him. That means you are being changed by him. And and there's there's this process of transformation. We've talked about that from revelation through obedience to transformation. We talked uh, about the priority of transformation. I loved the Dallas Willard quote in relationship to that. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. And today we're talking about the proof of transformation. How, How can you and the whole world actually know that we are being transformed by Jesus, that we are his followers in the world today? We're going to continue our conversation with Dave Buring, and we're going to be answering that question using what love looks like from 1 Corinthians 13. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing, the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. 
Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. We're continuing our conversation with Dave Buring from Lion Share. I don't know that we've ever just flat out told people, Dave, like Lion Share is a disciple making ministry, but it's vocationally based. And so since this is May Day, which in most places around the world is like Labor Day, maybe you could mm-hmm. just talk about the value of Christians and their witness in every vocation. Um, before we jump back into our Transformed Life series and the proof of transformation. Sure. So I think, you know, the Bible talks about us being salt and light in the world around us. And let let me lump that under maybe a broader term that we call evangelism, where it's just the way that you live your life, the way that you have conversations, it's sharing your faith with Jesus with people that don't yet know him. What we do with Lion's Share is kind of go a step, the next step, and it's looking at who are fellow followers of Jesus that you maybe walk with in your vocation, but they haven't maybe had the opportunity to be developed with spiritual maturity. And so what we do is we come alongside, whether in government, arts, media, business, education, I mean, you name it, it, it we're, we tend to be there, is coming alongside of them and helping them grow not only spiritually, but vocationally. And what I mean like what I mean by that is not job training, but what I mean is like, how do I, how do I look at what I do for a living in my vocation? How do I look at that through the lens of expressing God through that, which is not wearing your, I love Jesus t-shirt to work, but it might be the way that you're a really good relator or that you're the first one to step up when the boss says, Hey, I need someone to kind of step into this. It's, it's the excellence in which you do things. It's the character that you reflect. And and so what we do is we come alongside people, particularly younger leaders, and have older leaders walk alongside them and disciple them both spiritually and vocationally. So that's a that's a piece of what we do. Yeah, so you can check it out at lionshare.org. It's in book form called The Great Opportunity, Making Disciples of Jesus in Every Vocation. Um, Dave teaches a six-month leadership intensive for vocational leaders called Leadership Journey. And he's also um, on their podcast, Wisdom Unlocked, The Ways of God. So those might be some ways that you might be interested in engaging. Again, lionshare.org. Um, all right, Dave, back to our um, Transformed Life series and the proof of transformation. If love is like the primary way that Jesus says the world is going to know his followers, then what is love, at least according to the way God unpacks it in 1 Corinthians 13. How do we apply that? Yeah, and I, I think you're bringing up a really important question, Carmen, because as you mentioned earlier, love love is being twisted and it's mm-hmm. being, you know, pulled in directions that I don't think God had ever intended it to go. And, and it often ends up being, you know, a me first kind of thing where love in itself is is a laying down your own self for somebody else. And so oftentimes when it's accept me for this, accept me for that, you know, there's there's a reality here of of like love in its essence is choosing someone else's highest good. And we might think that can be just, hey, yes, and we should. I I would let me take a time out and say, I do believe we need to accept people where they're at as a starting point. There is no question about that. This is where someone is, whether they're struggling or they're wrestling with this or that. But then love 
wants people to walk in the fullness of who God intended them to be. You love desires someone to walk where they feel stuck into a place of freedom. Um, I need people to love me if I feel like they see some place of Dave's, it looks like he's kind of being deceived in what he believes about that, you know? Mm. And in the essence, there's a, there's community is around love. It's love is not a solo thing that it's, it's just all about me and what I want. And you all have to just um, cooperate with that. There's actually a whole lot more to it. Um, For example, let me just throw one at you is it, it starts in first Corinthians 13 with love is patient. And in the original language, like in the new Testament, Greek was the original language. And so you kind of dig into that all this. Well, what, like, what's that word mean? And love is patient. It talks about a long patience where it's a patiently enduring, slow to get angry because you are suffering long with the person so it's it's a decision to not give up on someone. And this specific kind of patience can often refer to a restraining of power. In other words, it's when you have the right and ability to pull a power play maybe on somebody, but you choose not to. And so, like, are we patient with each other? Like, even in our growth, like, I think, come on, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, you should know this. You should. And, and there's times that we need to recognize, all right, a little bit of patience here. Let's not abandon them let's not pull a power play on them but let's continue to love them through patience so that's you know and again we have to look at this through the lens not just of how i want it to be received related to my own life but how i do this for somebody else there's so much humility in that because if you are a person further along in any way than another person so further along, ahead, advanced, above them on the ladder, whatever. Patience means I restrain myself from sort of lording it over them that I'm further along than they are, recognizing Mm -hmm. that it wasn't that long ago that I was where they are. And Mm -hmm. walking with someone in the journey of discipleship often means I wait. And thank God that Jesus kept going back and like waiting on the path. He could have, I mean, you know, he he obviously could have just sprinted and done all that he did, but he walked at a pace that others could keep up with. He entertained their questions. Um, I mean, he demonstrated such humility in in the patience of his love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know, there's a. Um... Over the years, there's been these conversations around judging and not, you know, judging me. And there's a portion in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount where it says, don't judge lest you be judged. And the the meaning of that there is more around like your eternal destiny, your salvation. Like we have no place to be judging someone's, are they going to heaven? Are they going to hell? That's Mm. only God's call. So that it doesn't mean don't like examine my life. And matter of fact, there's another portion in Corinthians where it talks about those who are spiritually mature judge all things. And what that means is discerned. It's like there are things that we're supposed to discern according to, okay, what does God's word say versus what is happening here? And so the key here is, is that when we're in that discerning process, 
we still need to be enveloped in love. We still need to be saying, okay, I need to be patient here. I need to be kind, you know, which is really coming alongside someone to be beneficial or useful to them. It's not just being nicey nice. It's actually benefiting the person's life. It's you're laying your life down to benefit theirs. And so there's a lot of the pieces of this comment, I think, in the world we live in today, where we hear stretches of what we think love is. And again, everybody wants to be accepted. There is no question, like, like people can wrestle with that their whole lives of the lack of acceptance. And we can find community in different places. The key is, is the community that we're walking in and is the relationships that we're having based on truth. And and not just kind of, well, is that, you know, my perspective of truth? No, it's actually God's perspective of truth. And where you've introduced us here in 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a real sense of what love is based on truth. Mm. All right. I know that you're listening and you want the whole study. So um, you can either go to lionshare.org. You're looking for the Transformed Life series. If you shoot me a text at 877-933-2484, I'll send you the direct link to your phone so you can just grab it that way. Um, Dave, as always, thank you so very much. Um, I want to conclude with this. Dave always asks two questions at the, and it's really not the end of every conversation, but that's the way I'm going to lay it out here today. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you today? Like, write, write that down. You could write it in a um, in a dry erase marker on your mirror so that tonight you can ask yourself that question. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to me today? And then how are you going to obey that in your life? It's not just about seeing and hearing and knowing. It's about obeying. How are we going to teach others to obey everything Christ has commanded us if once it's been revealed to us, we don't obey it ourselves? So what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you today? And how are you going to obey that in your life? Dave Buring, um, thank you so much for walking with us and teaching us uh, today about the transformed life. Have a good day, Carmen. You too. You too. The Transformed Life series, um, just really impactful and leads us to ask ourselves really good questions. And they are great questions to have in conversation with others. We'll continue that conversation with Dave the next time he joins us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. So as we are celebrating freedom and living as a free people, we recognize that we live in a day and time where more people are held in captivity as slaves around the world than at any other time in human history. We're talking about human trafficking, and we're talking about the plight of individuals um, who are trafficked uh, for work, for labor, um, also trafficked for sex and sexual exploitation. And so when we think about um, the realities that many people around the globe are living in today, and we juxtapose that against the incredible freedoms that we enjoy, I want us to not only have deep gratitude to God, but I also want to be want us to encourage us to be activated as people who would seek for others what we enjoy for ourselves. So let's um, let's revisit the conversation we had with Elizabeth Fisher Good, uh, CEO of the Foundation United, and Let's be um, not only aware of human trafficking, but pressing our lives um, up against it in such a way that other people might live free. 
You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Elizabeth Fisher-Good is joining us now. She's the CEO of The Foundation United. You can find what we're talking about today and lots of resources at thefoundationunited.com. Elizabeth, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, So you're going to have to go kind of back to the beginning, like have a starter conversation with us. Assume that we don't know how bad Mm -hmm. the trafficking issue is. And I want to get to the place where we can talk about specifically what you're doing at the Foundation Mm -hmm. United. But let's um, first establish the need. What is human trafficking? Where is it happening? Um, Why should we care? Yeah. So basically having an understanding, too, of the root, because that is what got me. You know, I moved from Chicago to Florida in 2010, and I was just trying to help with a women's event. I'd been an area pastor at Willow Creek Community Church for a decade really into ministry. And when I got down to Florida and was asking, you know, what's an underdog charity that we could help raise funds for? I was told, how about the fact that our local children are being sold for sex? So I'm like, your local children are being sold for sex. What are you talking about? You know, I'm from Chicago. We know our crime. We're we're pretty out there with our shootings or whatnot. And I thought of human trafficking as only Cambodia or over there or something international and a big white van maybe. And they said, no, in America, over half a million children are trafficked every year right here and purchased by our own buyers. And the root, and this is what got me, they said the root of it in America is that today, one out of three little girls and one out of five little boys are carrying the secret of childhood sexual abuse. And that abuse, depending on how it is, what it is, how it goes, often results in running away. So a child will say, like one little girl said, 11 years old, I thought whatever's on the streets has to be better than what happens in my bedroom every night with my dad and my brothers. And she ran away. What the stats tell us from there is that within 48 hours, 80% of runaways, doesn't matter what zip code, the wealthiest to the wrong side of the tracks does not matter. Any zip code in America and beyond, within 48 hours of runaways approached by a predator who is looking, scanning, for vulnerable. And they just have to say, hey, are you hungry? You need a place to stay. We'll love you. Your parents must not have known how to love you. And a child is desperate for that covering. And they run right into the arms of worse than they're running away from. And then statistically, what we know is that once they're lured into those arms, they'll get them hooked on a bit of a drug or something. Then they start to sell them 15 to 40 times a day right here, all of our towns, literally for up to seven years, 15 to 40 times a day. So that's what trafficking looks like in America. And it is my heart because I was abused as a kid and there, but for the grace of God, go I. And it is growing exponentially now because of the online tactics of predators and what's happening with one out of nine children at any time in their own bedroom being approached by a predator. So it's epidemic and we do need to awaken the church to talk more about it and really to get on the front end of it and guard our kids. All right, you just um, you, people's jaws are dropping, and they are yeah. um, they're imagining that it's not happening in well, I mean that might be happening in Chicago or Florida, but that's not happening in the nice place I live, um, wherever that you know <laughs> so called nice place is. Um, one of the things that I find um, particularly impactful are these places around the country where they have aggregated information 
on maps to show where children um, have been rescued and are being served by a whole network of organizations, um, Ransomed Life just being one of them. And then they they put those on a map in a community. And I know that the there's a local news affiliate in San Antonio that has done this for the city of San Antonio. And when you look at that map and you look at mm-hmm. all of the places and all of the zip codes where children have been trafficked because we know that because they have been rescued, there's not one neighborhood there's not one neighborhood in those concentric circles of San Antonio, um, the inner loop, the outer loop, um, even beyond the outer loop. There's not one place where there's not an identifiable child that has been trafficked. And so when you say to us, Elizabeth, this is happening everywhere and it's happening all the time, it's safe to say it's happening within a mile of wherever, wh- whoever's listening right now, wherever they're listening, it's happening within a mile of where they are. Like it's crazy to imagine. And it's crazy to imagine that this is happening in America. Um, What are you and your partners doing about it? Because this, the way that you're approaching it, I think is so important um, because you are seeking to address the root cause, but then also focusing on aftercare. Yeah. Well, I ran safe housing for over a decade. And what I can tell you there is every single story, over 5,800 young girls from 18 to 26, 29, They all have the same textbook story of exactly what I told you. Childhood sexual abuse entered their life when they were little and no one saw it. So literally God had given us a vision back when we started that one day there would be a foundation, which is now the Foundation United, because, you know, treating the symptom, what what your listeners need to know is that honestly, trafficking is a symptom. Abortion is a symptom. Domestic violence is a symptom. Suicide, ultimate symptom how the enemy wants to rob, kill, and destroy. He enters childhood sexual abuse. If he can't get us in the womb, sexual abuse is the quickest way to derail a destiny. So of these girls that I dealt with, over 5,800, every single system had seen them. Every girl said, I was in school. My teachers told me I was stupid. I couldn't learn. What they didn't know is that I was thinking about what was going to happen when I got home that night. You know, I was arrested. Law enforcement actually pulled me over in a routine traffic stop, but the trafficker was in the front seat. They didn't know to pull me out of the car and question me and ask if I was okay. Help medical. They say that uh, 78% of ER doctors will stitch up a little kid, a little boy, a little girl, and give them right back to a predator because they don't know the signs. And in the church, I had story after story of I was abused by my youth group leader. I was raped by my Bible study teacher. My parents would, my dad would rape me and then drag me to church every week. No one knew. So these kids have been sitting in plain sight right in our own communities, being insulted even more by the negligence and not knowing the very telltale signs. So now at the foundation, we have the best partners around the world, and we are hitting all of those systems and awakening their eyes, the entire systemic scalable change. And the one for the church, we call it the Holy Spirit can opener, because you know what? Once the eyes are open, here's the truth. The stats in the church are the same as the stats outside of the walls of the church. And if you look at who's buying our children, the buyers, the men that are addicted to pornography, and then they cross the line into purchasing same stats in the church is out of the church. And it's starting with grooming. Children are exposed and they're raised after being abused into porn. And so we're just educating everybody so we can get ahead of it and help these children know that they're not bad. Help inter- you know, intervene in the lives of buyers, intervene in the lives of abuse. And all of these systems are the pathways that is making incredible change. And it's happening in America. And we're launching in churches in Germany and Africa and um, Italy. So it's amazing. Like God has 
exponentially accelerated it because if we don't get ahead of it, the way that the enemy is working right now with his systemic attack on the family, our future is not going to look so great. So I love that we have these solutions. They're literal keys of solutions to these issues. Okay. I want you to walk us through um, through those keys. Um, I want you to explore those with us, but I have to ask the question that's on everybody's mind right now. How do you not despair? How is it possible that I hear I hear joy in your voice and I certainly hear hope? Yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, because literally I think I think we've uncovered it. I think I think hell has systemically been coming after our family and he's done it's done a great job. And you know, as being a child of child a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, I know the shame. It's one of the only crimes and anyone that's been sexually abused out there knows it happens to you and you immediately take on the shame. And, and then it, it covers you. And then you make another mistake or decision to cover that shame. And then another one, before you know it, you're down a path you never thought you'd be down. This ends that. So I think after so many decades, I feel like I had decades of preparation. <laughs> and I feel like, oh, we now have the antidote. We really do. Because I know that the gates of hell will not prevail. The Lord always provides solutions. I was invited to speak in Austria to the World Evangelical Alliance because they said there are keys missing in the church today. And we believe this is one of them. So I have hope because you know what? I think finally the church is going to listen. If the church gets this and if the church gets in position, we change everything. So I am hopeful. Okay. Okay, So I want you to walk us through that. I want you to help us put our hands on those keys so that we can unlock this where we live as well. We are going to continue our conversation in just a moment with Elizabeth Fisher Good. She's the CEO of the Foundation United. You can find what we're talking about at thefoundationunited.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it. We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's Word for the good works that He's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing? the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. Keep fighting the good fight. This is a special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. We're talking with Elizabeth Fisher Good. She's the CEO of the Foundation United, seeking to eradicate trafficking through prevention. Um, we're talking about childhood sexual abuse, and we're talking about how to provide a vocabulary for our children, teaching even the youngest children about safety. We're going to talk now about prevention and the keys related to this. Um, Hey, we want that Holy Spirit can opener for the church, and it starts with individual believers. So, um, Elizabeth, lead us in. 
Well, I'm thrilled to do this because there are so many pathways. And if you could, in your town, the beautiful thing is, yes, we are surviving on, we do, we're thriving on um, donations. But what that means right now is all these programs can come into your community and they're already paid for. So we have law enforcement training. And this is just a really great one. And what I want to say to you is that I was recently with an FBI agent and they were saying that the most dangerous place for your child to be right now in America is alone in their bedroom with a smart device, a cell phone, mm. an iPhone, because predators, one out of nine children is being you know, preyed upon. And these guys are relentless. They'll post a picture of a little 14-year-old boy, say, hey, you look pretty. They'll you know, post a little girl talking to your son saying, hey, he could be a model. And it is all just to lure them. So we have... Um, First and foremost, for everybody listening, you can go to the foundationunited.org and you can go to our resources and download all kinds of tools just to look at right now today. You could read through them. You could watch videos. You can order books starting as young as three years old for your children. And there are videos, the Cool Ant series you could download. This was a girl that was raised in a beautiful bubble in Pasadena. Her dad was an elder and she went to college. So she didn't have the pre precursors. So, you know, don't say, well, my child hasn't been abused and my child's not carrying a secret and this or that, if you're too sheltered and you haven't led the narrative, we have to lead the narrative. So for parents just to right now go online and download all of those and see what's uh, next step to take. But in the, in the world where you live, if you have influence and you can get hold of your chief of police, we could bring in training to your community for law enforcement because we had trained over 40 agencies in Connecticut. And one of the guys that was there for 20 years, he said it was like walking in with one eye and walking out with two, we have had no idea what we were looking at. So we could bring that immediately. Or if you're in the Florida area, that's when our next one is launching February 22nd, but literally they're all over the country, New York, Vegas, LA. So law enforcement, you can get your teams to go that way. As far as healthcare with medical, we started the system. So everything, when I say catalytic, you know, for the church, the catalytic Holy Spirit, but the catalytic scalable is for a healthcare system. So it's not about one doctor here, one doctor there. You, if you have connections to a system, a healthcare system, we have trained over half a million ER doctors. And they literally, I mean, they are so grateful because they've had, you know, that, that feeling in your stomach. And we always tell children, you know, the stats today say that in intuition is being um, burnt out in our kids by fourth grade. They're no longer doubting. And we know that is the Holy Spirit, right? And it, it, it's getting deadened because of all of the tactics the world is using, social media and the grooming and the sex, sexual you know, exploitation that's happening young. So we have the law enforcement arm, we have the medical arm, they're all online. You can go to the protection tab for those two and you can just click, everything is like one, two, three, how to bring it to your town, one, two, three, how to present it to your chief of police, one, two, three. And then under the other one that says prevention, it's the schools and it's our churches. And there too, you could print this stuff out and walk it in. There's videos you could watch. The school, and when we say scalable solutions, it's K through 12. It's, mm. it's entire administration. You start with the superintendent because everybody needs eyes to see. We have had the best curriculum team. So this one goes in secular, Christian, it doesn't matter because K through 12 it has the vertical articulation, everything that you need for the education. I'm not an educator, but people have been blown away. One of the former leads of the Department of Justice is now heading that up for us on our team. She said, this is the best that I have seen. And so getting that into every school district near you 
will change everything. Because if you think about it, the enemy is relentless in getting their agenda into our schools. And this brings in not only the tips, the tools, the keys, the antidotes in a very easy way. It's not like you're being trafficked. It's not that at all. It's helping them understand what is a safe adult? What, what's a triangle of trust look like? What's the difference between a secret and a surprise? No, these are basic mm. concepts that if everybody understood them starting, if the average age of sexual abuse is three, four, five years old, kindergarten is not too early to teach children the difference between a secret and a surprise. Everyone's excited at a surprise party, but if adult says, keep my secret, you know, and, and it's just basic. And then for the church, it's the same thing. My passion, having come from ministry is that we get into every church because look at what's happening with the, the, the pastors falling and the affairs and the abuse. And I can tell you over the last decade, every sting that I've been involved in for trafficking, there's always a pastor. There's always a youth group leader. There's always a teacher. And we need to get ahead of it. A lot of people are drawn to these professions because they're broken. The statistics tell us that 93% um, of offenders, predators, will say they're religious. And those that say they're religious because faith-based communities are so trusting, they have more, more victims um, by a large number than others because we've, we've opened the gates, you know, Christian camps, Christian churches, you drop your kids off, you trust that organization to have done the vetting. And these guys are sneaking in and women. And so these systems that we roll out to the church, not only do they guard the lead pastor, but when I come in and we start, you have to start at the top. So it's always an introduction to your superintendent, head of school, or to a lead pastor to say, we're here to bulletproof you. We're coming with an arsenal of weaponry so that your family, your legacy, your church, your flock is protected so that nothing sneaks in that you're unaware of. So that those that are here and need healing get healed before the generational patterns. We know it sins of the father to the third or the fourth generation. And someone that's been abused, you know, abuse is learned. So it's not shame, shame, condemnation. It's it's rather confess your sins one to another. The prayer of a righteous man has authority to heal. So like whether it's the school system, the educators are saying, oh my gosh, we've needed this language. Like what you're bringing here, there hasn't been a grid for it, but we know it's been walking around and we haven't known how to address it. This is solutions. And for the church, the same thing. People are starving. These kids come to church on Sunday and all week, you know, we have one and a half hour with them and we have this really turnkey. Everything is in small group packaging. It's so um, easy to implement and it's so um, empowering. It, it brings healing. I had a woman that was going through it in a, a church. I got a call last night. Somebody was launching it in one of our churches and, and people are coming for the like, Elizabeth. People are like, gambling's falling off. They're finally talking about they've been hiding domestic violence for 20 years. Like it just eradicates the secrets that if the top layer is free and able to talk about our secrets, then we can raise a generation without blind spots so that they don't repeat them and walk in the same ones. And so it frees the church and the children and those every it's from leadership and it has an adult track, a women track, a young adult track, a K through 12, a six, um, yeah, a K through five and a six through 12. It's amazing. And it will empower the church to be the generation that we talk about everything and that we lead the narrative. Because if we lead the narrative, you know, everyone always says organized crime is organized. What is the church? 47,000 denominations were anything but organized. Yeah. But this is one succinct way and one tool, you know, the World Evangelical Alliance said this might be the key to really take back the territory because sexually 
Satan, our children are coming to church saying, I don't know if I'm a boy. Am I a girl? I don't yeah. know. They're getting the so confusion bombarded. is so absolutely and absolutely as the church we need to speak to it and this is a great way to empower you to enter it in a in a way that is not scary so i encourage okay. everybody to please mm-hmm. yeah i want i want to just clarify one thing cuz we're we're almost out of time and elizabeth i want people to um to get to the right place on the website so when if you're if you want your church specifically um to to be able to access materials related to the church when they go to the foundationunited.com which one of these tabs are they clicking on prevention for the school okay. and the church click, click on prevention the school okay. is called speak up and the mm-hmm. program for your church is called real talk time to get real okay. so you'll totally see that and i'm going to include those direct links um, in today's show notes, so that it'll make it really simple for you. But when you go to the foundationunited.com, if you're specifically looking um, for resources related to your school or your church, you click on the prevention tab. Real Talk is for your church. Speak Up is for your school. Um, the protection tab is the one that you're going to if you want to talk with medical professionals or members of the law enforcement community. I will put all the links in today's show notes. Elizabeth, we have to have you back because we ran out of time. Yes. Can we have you, can we have you back? Absolutely. All right. Um, so I'll just promise in the future more with Elizabeth Fisher Good. Um, thank you so much for joining me on today's uh, Mornings with Carmen. Uh, you can find today's episode later today at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. So when we talk about what the Bible has to say about freedom, um, I, I'm really sort of hanging on Galatians 5.1, where it says that, you know, we are free in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And yet I recognize that we live as people who are slaves to Christ. And that is just this incredible, I don't even know, what do I call that? A paradox. It's the paradox of Christian freedom. Um, And so we are free in Christ because Christ has set us free by um, overcoming the power of sin in this life and the power of death um, on our behalf. And that's extraordinary. And freedom then comes with this great responsibility. Like, what does it mean then to live in this freedom in Christ in such a way that Christ is glorified? How do I live responsibly and freely under the lordship of Christ? I think part of that conversation is that I live with clear boundaries for ethical decision-making. I I actually seek to live in a way that glorifies God. Um, I survey the facts and um, I discern the truth and that guides my action. I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, that integrated Christian life. Um, But I also live as a person who lives free in such a way that I don't use my freedom as a cover-up for evil. To actually live, as it says in 1 Peter 2.16, as a slave to God. That is the great paradox of Christian freedom, that those who are most free then choose to live as obedient slaves to Christ. That is really uh, something to chew on today in terms of the freedom we enjoy as Christ followers in the world today. Bill Bright um, said it really well. He was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, and he would say, I am a slave by choice of Jesus Christ who set me free. 
So that's me too. I am a slave by choice of Christ who set me free. You are free to choose the same today because you are free indeed. There's another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.